Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, for the power of his Holy Spirit who calls us to faith in Christ and keeps us there, firm even unto the end. Amen. It's good to be with you again and joy to, uh, to be among you here at St. John and to uh, have the privilege of sharing God's word with you as we take a look at Psalm 51, verses 5 and 6. Let's take a look at those words right now. Read them with me. Surely I was sinful from birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. There's a sermon outline if you'd like to follow along. It might be helpful to you. If not, ignore it. Have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here? How did I get here? A couple of weeks ago, I was in downtown Detroit for an evening meeting at St. Philip Lutheran Church. It's on the west side. And when the meeting was done, I pulled out of the parking lot there and onto West Grand Boulevard and knew I needed to turn left and there would be an entrance ramp onto, uh, onto 10, onto the lodge that would take me down to 94 and take me out to the west suburbs where I live. So, turned right, then turned left. There's a barricade there in the entrance ramp. And so I thought, well, I'll just follow the detour signs and I will find my way back home. It wasn't long and the detour signs simply disappeared. And then I thought, this Mike Duggan is trying to increase the population of Detroit. I ended up, after a few uh, lefts and rights and so on, I was somewhere near the, the, uh, the casino, one of the casinos, uh, in particular the uh, Greek town casino. And I thought, well, certainly if I circle the Greek town casino, there will be a sign that says this way to 75 or this way to 94 or this way to the lodge. I would find my way out. And I circled it twice. There are no signs. And then I realized it's a casino. They don't want you to leave. And then in the back of my mind, there was a song playing, this old song, Hotel California. You can check out any time, but you can't never leave. And then an even older song that only a few of you will remember by the Kingston Trio. He's the man that never returned. Poor old Charlie. How did I get here? But quite apart from being lost, I wasn't really lost. I just wasn't where I wanted to be. There's a difference. How did I get here? Athlete, high school athlete, college athlete. Now, midlife, after the shower, he looks at himself in the mirror and he asks, how did I get here? 50 pounds overweight, joints ache, never enough sleep. How did I get here? Or husband and wife and the children have grown and they've left the house and silence hangs like a pall over their home. They've been together now for 30, 40 years. They are too tired to even fight. 
And they're each in their own silence asking themselves, how did we get here? How did we get here? King David is reflecting on his life. He's doing a a whole life self-evaluation. He's been confronted by the prophet Nathan. And he's asking himself, how did I get here? How did I get to this place so distant from God, so rebellious, my life so messed up? How did I get here? If you were here last week and you heard Pastor Mark's sermon, and he shared with you the story about the man who fell into the poop pit, I'm sure over those three days he had opportunity to ask himself, people, you got to keep up. Yeah. (laughs) How did I get here? How did I get here? Now, he knows where he is. He knows he's powerless to deliver himself. He had to ask, how did I get here? I was up there. Now I'm down here. Did I neglect the dry rot in the outhouse? Did I neglect the termite infestation that would allow this to happen? How did I get here? And so David is asking himself, how did I get into this predicament? And here's what he says. Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. But far from being an excuse, he's reflecting, that was my trajectory all along. Point one in your outline is this. While original sin, and this is one of the passages we turn to as as Christians, to understand that we are all born sinful, that we're all separated from God from birth, that we are born in sin, enemies of God, destined for eternity in hell apart from the powerful work of God in Christ Jesus. But far from being an excuse, while original sin may explain my condition, it does not excuse my decision. It does not excuse my decision. How did I get here? I made some choices. My wife and I were newly married, and we were in our little apartment, $156 a month, heat included, usually too much. Soot from the nearby steel plant covered our windowsills and our plates in the cupboard. It was a great place. It was a goodbye. And on our Thursday night, our ritual was to sit down and we would have this this wonderful meal of liver and onions. And we're cutting through our liver and onions and we suddenly looked at each other almost at the same time and we said, we're married. We don't live at home anymore. We don't have to do this. We have never eaten liver and onions since. We realigned our lives based on a new truth. 
We can blame our gene pool. Oh, you know, I was born sinful. What do you expect? We can blame our gene pool. Hey, that's just the way I was raised. Or you hear those words in the back of your head, you're just like your father. Maybe you even had an abusive childhood. We can blame our gene pool. We can blame our birth order. We can have all kinds of other lame excuses and blame someone else. It explains it, but it doesn't excuse our decisions. Not before God. Not before a righteous and holy God who sees all things and sees our hearts. Well, I've, I've got red hair, so I have a temper. I'm German, so I'm stubborn. That's wrong. You make decisions. And while I cannot change that reality, I was indeed, like you, born in sin. Sinful from birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You and I both share that history. Along with David, we cannot change that reality. I can experience a realignment through rebirth in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what God has done. He has rebirthed us into his family as new people. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. We have a new beginning. We've gone from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ. We've gone from being lost to being found. We've been from being outside of God's kingdom to being inside of God's kingdom, all because of what God has done. He, in His grace, realigns us as He brings us to faith in Christ by the powerful work of His Spirit. That's what the baptism is all about. We were buried with Him into death in order that as Christ was raised by the glorious power of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. We can be realigned by the rebirth in Christ. And so the new reality, the new reality is I am not a victim. I am not a victim. But I am a victor. I'm a victor. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? In all our sufferings and trials, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I'm convinced that neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are victors. And in that victory, we've been made new. He has realigned us now by His Spirit, connecting us to Christ. And all that He accomplished, He's realigned us now as his victors. And while I'm made new in Christ, I also must humbly accept instruction like a child. I must humbly accept instruction like a child. He goes on to say, yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. God's Spirit wants to continually instruct us and daily realign us because we get out of whack in our sinfulness. We have a way of going the, 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 the way of least resistance. And if you ever watched a river finding its course, it, it, it's always crooked, right? It follows the course of least resistance. 
I may be at a point where I seldom even ask the question, how did I get here? I may not even sometimes be that deep spiritually to even ask the question. Because when the, the slightest nudge comes from, from my culture or, or from my, my, my heart, I, I, I may just be enticed and avoid that correction from the Holy Spirit. I, I'll be given a, a new toy by Satan or I'll be given some entertainment to just get my mind off of it. And I don't even ask the question. And yet God's Spirit continues to pummel me with His Word to align and to correct me. He wants to instruct me. Scripture says in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Uh, some of you may know my two oldest children are, were born deaf. But what you may not know is that my younger two children have the same malady as all of us do, and that is selective hearing. <laughs> we have selective hearing. We don't always hear and receive what God wants to speak into our hearts and lives. We pick and choose. We cherry pick the Word of God. And so when we hear that Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for reproof, that's like a, a little pat on the back and say, hey, you need to, to change direction. Correction, that's a slap with a small stick, rebuke, correction, and the last one is a two-by-four alongside the head. God's Word will get our attention, and sometimes God gets our attention through suffering. He allows our sinfulness and our foolishness and the consequences to come crashing in around us. David needed Nathan to come and to crash into his world, to confront him and to correct him. And he would experience consequences because of his sin, even though there was forgiveness. Sometimes my greatest teacher is suffering. That's what Paul's speaking about in, in Romans chapter 5. We've been justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we also glory in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. God allows suffering to come into our lives to get our attention, to lead us to ask the question, how did I get here? To do some self-evaluation and to realize I've been sinful from birth, but God has been trying to teach me, trying to instruct me with his word, and I've ignored him. And we may not like this reality, but I can experience realignment through God's loving discipline. God's loving discipline. The writer to the Hebrews puts it this way endure hardship like discipline. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for, his good, for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so we can live in a new reality that transforms us, realigns us. I am not an enemy of God. I'm his child. I'm his child. 
And one of the things that God's Word instructs us about is that while I am freely raised up in Jesus, I'm called to die to myself and live for Him. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Scripture says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. David was sovereign king of Israel. But he had forgotten that he was sovereign king in the context of a theocracy. In other words, God is the ultimate king and David is his subject to serve other subjects. David had forgotten that. David thought he was sovereign, that he could make his own decisions, that somehow God could be his servant. We sometimes interpret God's word through the lens of our experience rather than the other way around to interpret our experiences day by day in the light of God's word. Gone are the days of aligning Jesus in my frame of worldview. Peter, in our gospel lesson for today, when Jesus explains to him that he must suffer and die at the hands of of sinful men, Peter says, never, Lord, that will never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then he goes on to explain that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He must lose himself and become lost and found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Gone are the days of saying, Jesus is really an important part of my life. Instead, we say, in faith, I am part of God's great story of redemption in this world. I'm part of God's story. And he wants to use my life as an instrument of his grace in the lives of other people. We see ourselves in the context of what God is doing, as opposed to seeing God in the context of what we're doing. While I may want to avoid this reality, realignment comes when I am crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Picture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says to his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, watch with me for one hour. He goes off and prays. Jesus does not ask, how did I get here? He knew exactly how he got there. Father, not my will, but what? Your will be done. Following the Father's will, he knew exactly how he got to the garden. He knew exactly how he got to the cross. Following the Father's will to offer his life as a sacrifice for all people. As he hangs from the cross, he doesn't ask himself, how did I get here? And yet the two thieves, one on one side and one on the other, one is is throwing curses at Jesus and mocking him 
And the other one says, hey, you and I are here because that's been our trajectory our whole life. We are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And in that moment, Jesus says today, with me in paradise. Even as that thief hangs on the cross, the trajectory of his life has been realigned. And it's hidden in Christ. And his death is hidden in Christ's death. And Christ's resurrection brings him resurrection. And the same is true for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. Wherever your alignment has taken you, and you're asking yourself, how did I get here? No matter what your past has been, no matter what your present is, today, with me in paradise. How can we have daily realignment? Luther suggests that we uh, remember our baptism every day through confession, acknowledging our sin before God as David did. And know that in baptism we were buried with Christ and we're risen to new life and we begin a new day every day because of his grace. Open our hearts to the scriptures. Read God's word, allow his spirit to instruct us, to realign us on a daily basis. Psalm 119 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word I've treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. God continually works by his spirit to realign our lives. It's kind of like a, a do-over every day. You ever have a day where you like to just say, I'd like a do-over. Anybody? I have those a couple, three, four, eight, ten times a week. I like a do-over. Had a meeting last week. I'd like a do that one over. God gives us a do-over. He realigns us. He makes us new. He disciplines us as children. And he leads us to be his disciples. Today's Christ follower, we can identify with David's personal assessment. I've been sinful from my mother's womb. And by the Holy Spirit, we can experience God's powerful and ongoing work of realignment by acknowledging these three transforming realities. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you never give up on us. You do not cast us aside, but you lift us up. And you set our hearts, you set our minds, you set our souls, you realign us in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in that good way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.